Hey there, and welcome to You Talk. We meet with amazing people from across Canada and ask them about their stories, passions, and experiences. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. Raven is a registered charity with a mission to raise funds for Indigenous people's access to justice. Another important aspect of Raven is increasing awareness of the challenges many Indigenous peoples and nations are facing. Raven's executive director and co-founder Susan Smitten and I connected to discuss the campaigns Raven is helping raise funds for, new initiatives and projects coming, awareness of social and environmental issues, and Raven's stance on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So I'm Susan Smitten. I'm the executive director of Raven. Our technical name is Raven, not Raven Trust, but everyone calls us that because that's our website because we couldn't get Raven when we were trying to set it up. But uh, our official name is Raven, which actually stands for Respecting Aboriginal Values and Environmental Needs. So we're the only charity with non-profitable charitable status in Canada that raises legal defense funds for Indigenous nations who choose to pursue uh, defense of their rights and their title in order to protect their lands, waters, air, by going to the courts. So that's what we do. We, we are basically, none of us are lawyers. We're fundraisers and communicators and storytellers, and we raise legal defense funds. I just think it's so cool uh, that, that Raven, not only is it helping you know indigenous communities and First Nations uh, get some of those um, uh, legal rights to you know fight for their rights, but it's also helping bring awareness to these issues. Uh, I, I like to consider myself a progressive person, but I don't know everything uh, that's going on. So hearing about the work that Raven is doing, at least for me, is a great way to stay informed. Uh, I mean, we talked a lot last time, but how about we just go into what are some of the things Raven is helping uh, fight right now? Sure. Oh, lots. And we're busy. (laughs) Sadly. I mean, that's kind of a sad thing, but uh, yes. So we are uh, running many, many campaigns. Uh, We are supporting and top of list and top of mind are some ones that are active right now. Beaver Lake Cree Nation is uh, we've been supporting them for 12 years. Amazingly. Uh, They are about to go to court uh, November 4th for a Supreme Court of Canada hearing to fight Uh, to get their advanced cost order, which is a special legal tool that is given uh, in order to help even out the pair, you know, because they're suing Canada and Alberta to stop the expansion of the tar sands into their traditional territories. So while that trial is, you know, inching its way towards an actual trial date, they went and asked for this advanced cost order and they got it, but then the appeal court quashed it, overturned it completely because they said, uh, no, well, yeah, you know, it's in the national interest and it is um, uh, epic and um, novel, that's the word, you know, for the courts, but we're not entirely sure you're broke because, hey, you've got a water truck you can drive around, so you must have money, which is so horrible. So anyway, so they're going to the Supreme Court on November 4th to try and get that advanced cost order overturned, Uh, not just for themselves, but because in making that judgment, the appeal court narrowed the test on getting an advanced cost order to the point where pretty much no nation in the country would ever be able to squeak through the little hole that they left as a standard. 
So that's a really important hearing. And then hopefully it will be reversed or changed back so that uh, we can then support the nation uh, for their actual trial, which is, I think, uh, 2024 is the trial date. And that's huge because that's basically going to, for the first time in uh, Canadian history, uh, sort of separate from the Blueberry River case, which we didn't, uh, weren't involved in, but uh, it's a cumulative impact case, but this is going to really force industry to change how it does business on the ground. So that's, that's one. We're supporting Hiltzuk uh, Nation because they are still five years out from the spill of the, that the Nathan E. Stewart caused when it ran aground on their clam beds shutting down their $100,000 a year commercial fishery and you know, almost bankrupting the community. And uh, so they are now running their own environmental impact assessment and we're raising the funds for that and all that information will be used in their litigation because they're suing BC and Kirby, which is the oil company out of Texas and Canada. So imagine that you've got to sue a Texas oil company, BC and Canada. That's awesome. Um, so <laughs> I know, right? No problem, we'll just do that. Uh, then we also have um, uh, the, there's, uh, geez, there's so many, I don't, never know where to start. We have um, Salmon Nation. So we've been supporting uh, Tlamin and Homolko Nations because they're uh, trying to uh, step in. Uh, DFO, uh, Department of Fisheries and Oceans, shut down the uh, um, farming, uh, salmon farms on Discovery Islands. And now the corporations are trying to have that overturned. And so we're supporting them to go in and hopefully intervene on that. We have um, the uh, Shaquatmik title action. Uh, Shaquatmik uh, Nation has uh, got a huge case that they're building around uh, title to their traditional territories. We have... Um, Oh, Wet'suwet'en, we're still waiting on the Wet'suwet'en. It's uh, uh, before the court, so we're waiting on judgments there. Um, yes, there's a lot. We got a lot going on. And we have three new ones that I can't tell you Yeah, about. I gotta keep it tight. <laughs> but but uh, there's a massive uh, legal action that's coming uh, for BC. A BC Nation is launching that will really see if there's any teeth in DRIPA, the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act that BC launched. And we have two big uh, litigation uh, campaigns that we're running in Ontario, uh, starting, uh, well, we've been sort of behind the scenes fundraising, but we hope to launch those in November, December. So there is a ton that's going on. And like you mentioned, it, it's so unfortunate like that you have to fight tooth and nail for like, things that should just be like accessible to people like these communities. But uh, in my opinion, I believe governments prioritize uh, corporations, unfortunately. Well, um, our whole raison d'etre is to make sure that nations that decide they're willing to access a colonial court system have the opportunity to get there and see it all the way through to the end. So that's what we're here for. And uh, it it is, you know, challenging because you're working with a patriarchal colonial system. However, once you're inside it, uh, the precedents and the decisions that the nations are standing for 
have an opportunity, you know, our legal change really is that there is this opportunity to carve out the crown sovereignty and remake our legal system from the inside out by setting better and better law, uh, better, better legal precedents. I mean, a lot of people would still say, well, there have been hundreds of legal precedents set and governments aren't honoring them or acting on them. But at a certain point, you know, the, the tide is, has to turn. So we're, we're optimistic. Yeah. yeah, it's just, I mean, it is slow progress, but there is progress being made. And, you know, as we're like with the 215 that we saw back in June, uh, I, I feel people are starting to be like, Oh yeah, maybe we should be paying attention, not just uh, pushing it back, especially um, specifically for individuals of like colonizer background or like call uh, the colonizer backgrounds or uh, immigrants. Just kind of keeping informed, because for myself, like you, you hear about like in school, you hear about you know, all like the reservations and the atrocities that were committed on our indigenous people, but it's just kind of like a thing brushed over, like oh, here's a thing that happened. Don't don't think about it. You know, like, but why shouldn't we be talking or thinking about this? So another thing that Raven has, it's brand, brand new. Ryan, you're going to be almost first in on this. So uh, brand, brand new. Uh, and it's, uh, we hope to have it launched in early 2022. It's being created and built right now. It is a brand new 10-module uh, educational piece. Because Raven does have a mandate to provide provide education around available legal rights and remedies as it pertains to law. So we've taken that and uh, we are, we've created uh, what we're calling home on native land. And it's sort of, you mentioned earlier uh, that you wish, you know, you're this guy and you, there's all this information and you wish you knew how to have the conversations and how to access it. So that's what this is sort of designed for. However, what we've just done through the research and is to build it around humor because some of these conversations are hard to have. And so Ryan McMahon, uh, the uh, Anishinaabe stand-up comedian uh, is the host of this series and he's interviewing amazing, brilliant legal minds from John Burroughs, Terry Lynn Williams Davidson, Pam Pometer, Val Napoleon, Jeff Corntassel, all these about very specific topics that deal with issues of Aboriginal law, which is the Canadian colonial kind of law, and Indigenous laws that pre existed, all of us, and the intersect of those, and how that ties to issues around land, land back, reconciliation and all of those big, juicy, chewy topics that kind of hard to have conversations sometimes around the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table or even just the breakfast table. And this hopefully with a video and then pedagogically designed materials to support the, this interview conversation. And then a little challenge at the end of each module, we, we want to give people the materials that they need to be able to at least start having these conversations, feel like they're not talking from the outside in, but actually have a sense of why this is important and why we're doing what we do and 
and the impact that they could have if they got engaged. And there yeah, you go. you're right. These conversations are incredibly difficult to have sometimes, and sometimes they can get very heated around a kitchen table. Uh, but yeah, comedy is the perfect tool to deal with things like this and start those conversations. It just helps kind of creep in, go through some of the barriers that people get up, and then you can start having good conversations that come with solutions. Yeah, and 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 it's really great. The Ryan has a, the perfect edge on this, and uh, you know, there's some fabulous conversations about things like honestly, doctrine of discovery. Okay. A little bit of a snore, right? Some people are like doctrine of discovery. I mean, it's serious and it's important and it's kind of nasty, but he's found a funny way to at least start that conversation. The Indian Act. Oh my gosh, right? So you could talk on that one for a long time, but uh, you know, he has this great conversation with Val Napoleon about the Indian Act. <laughs> she, she called, he says, "How would you define the Indian Act?" She's like, "An interruption." <laughs> So, you know, it, there are some wonderful moments, but it it also, there's a bit of a, you feel the to it and think, okay, I need to hear, I need to hear this and I need to know more. And that's what we're wanting out of Home on Native Land. So that's another big thing that we're working on. That's awesome. So is there kind of a timeline that we can expect to see this? Yeah, well, and it will live on the Raven website and uh, it will be the kind of thing where people can independently make their way through the 10 modules. Um, we're optimistic, it's being built right now. Uh, so we really hope that we'll have it up and ready for the public. Uh, I don't wanna say January, 2022 too confidently, but hopefully by the end of January. Kind of like end, yeah. uh, end of January, that kind of quarter one timeframe. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it will for sure be out in the first quarter of 2022. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm excited to check that out. That sounds like so much fun. Not only are like there's all these legal actions going down. There was um, a festival, a festival afloat. That's as I saw all over the uh, Ravens uh, social yeah. media. What can you tell me about that? Okay, so that is the brainchild of our communications director Andrea Paulferman, and it really is the uh, necessity is the mother of invention child because with COVID, a lot of the beautiful momentum building fundraising that we often do was curtailed, not possible, not safe. And so Andrea lives on Salt Spring Island and had this great idea uh, to Luke Wallace is a wonderful performer and a friend to Raven. And so she said, well, what if all the friends that we have who are kayakers and paddlers and boaters just gathered around the dock and Luke said, yeah, sure. I'd love to do that. So he went out on the dock and he performed one night and everyone came and there was this beautiful energy and everyone had fun, but they were safe because, you know, in a boat, you can't get that, yeah. too close. Plus you're then we just decided to take it larger. And so we had uh, con six concerts this past summer, two on Salt Spring, one in Vancouver, one in Montreal, two in Victoria, and now there are all kinds of people who have stepped forward saying, I want to have one. I want to have one in, uh, you know, Muskoka in Ontario. Uh, people want to have them in Northern BC. So next year we will have the festival afloat again. And we raised, uh, it was really phenomenal. Over all the concerts, we raised about $80,000. And so those were for three of our campaigns. Heltsuk, 
um, Wet Sowetan and West Moberly. Uh, that was another one I forgot to mention in that first long list, but West Moberly First Nation, of course, is uh, litigating to stop the Site C Dam. So, and that's a huge one for us as well. So, so those concerts uh, will commence again next year. We're super excited about it. And if anybody wants to host a concert, we have a whole package of information that we can send to people to help them have a successful concert. Plus, now that it's been modeled a few times, you know, we've learned a few things and there's lots of um, tips that we can give to people in terms of making it safe. Uh, one of the, I think the concert in Montreal was actually on land. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up not being able to get the water permit that they needed, but it ended up that just, just was super fine. It didn't matter. So uh, it can be a festival afloat that's dry docked if they want. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the idea is that people can gather outdoors safely and and also feel what it is to be part of a movement, which is also super important when you're wanting to do this kind of work. There was a couple of uh, walks that took place in uh, Winnipeg with the 250 and Every Child Matters, and I went to uh, them, and it was, you could really feel that energy, everyone coming together, and it is just so great seeing people coming together fighting for equality for everyone that's that's at the end of the day that is i believe that is what people want just everyone to be happy and healthy yeah i think so too if anybody wants to i kind of cut myself off with but if anyone wants to host a festival afloat they can email either info at raventrust.com or just email Andrea directly, andrea at raventrust.com, and we'll send out all the information they need. And hopefully we can see some more of those uh, pop up uh, over the coming spring oh, and summer. Yeah, like, you know, a perfect place for a festival, right? Exactly. So not only uh, is Raven involved in helping uh, raise funds for legal action, bringing awareness, uh, and part of that awareness is through the podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes and it is some really great stuff. So yeah. when someone is uh, listening, what episodes should they be looking out for? And uh, what can people expect coming down the pipeline? Honestly, I think they're all good to listen to. There's some. Uh, there were some great ones that we did as uh, sort of towards the end of season two with um, different indigenous knowledge keepers, uh, Jess Housty with HealthSec First Nation. Um, and I don't have the list in front of me, so I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'll get myself lost. But with Shokwetmuk uh, Elder, um, HealthSec Elders, with Jeff Horntassel, I believe, John Boros. So there's uh, just really interesting series there. But uh, for season three, we're taking it a little different. We've just, uh, we brought on a fabulous new uh, communication specialist to work on our comms team, Jamie Lee Gonzalez. She's a uh, uh, Squamish uh, Portuguese ancestry, and uh, she is going to work with Andrea to do a season that's co-hosted, uh, where before we had it, just I was hosting it. So Andrea and Jamie Lee are going to co-host and be bringing in different experts to talk about a whole new range of topics and sort of have it be a bit more of a chat, a bit more of a less uh, interview style and more interactive and live. Um, 
So that will be coming soon. Um, Jamie Lee just started with us, so I don't want to tell you when season three will be up and live, but we'll certainly launch it uh, and everyone will be able to re, you know, find out uh, more about it. We also host all of the podcasts on our website too, so people can always find them. So yeah, so that's coming and we're pretty excited about that because... Um, you know, as podcasts, we did all right. You know, I, to be honest, uh, it was our first foray into the land of podcasts. And so we were uh, happy with how it went. But I think we're, our sense is that if we just change the format and, and bring in some different voices, we can uh, hopefully expand the listener. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about podcasts. You're not sometimes things like just hit really well sometimes it's kind of just uh you're like okay how can i uh, adjust this yeah. and i mean we're in the same boat we're kind of learning this uh, whole environment figuring out what what uh for myself what i can do who could i talk to yeah it's it's exciting podcasts are so much fun it's a great way to get a lot of information to a listener as they're just going to the grocery store or driving to work doing the house cleaning that's what i listen to mine <laughs> Really, the vacuum or the podcast I'm listening to. So anyway, that is coming. That's so exciting. So much awesome stuff on the way. Yeah. Yes. 2022 will be, is is already shaping up to be a massive year for us. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm excited for uh, Raven. Thank you. Yeah, so are we. Oh, and I and I actually wanted to mention, uh, in terms of the HealthSuit campaign, we're doing more webinars. So we actually are partnering with people about different webinars. Um, we had a webinar recently that we did with Dogwood, uh, and now we're doing this, um, <clears throat> we're doing a, it's part of Reconciling Ways of Knowing, and uh, this is going to be a webinar called Stewarding Our Marine Relations, and it's sort of connected to our HealthSook fundraising, and so it's happening on Tuesday, October 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific. 11 central, one o'clock Atlantic for, it's about an hour and a half. And the moderator is Saul Brown, who if people don't know Saul, he is an amazing Hiltzuk and Nuchalmuth researcher on marine stewardship and governance. And he's also going through the UVic um, joint uh, indigenous uh, law program. So he'll eventually be a lawyer and he's facilitating this huge conversation with, um, uh, Nang Jing was Russ Jones, who's a marine scientist that's um, with Haida, I believe. And also Dr. Teresa Ryan, a Shimshan marine scientist, and Dr. Ann Solomon, a, re- a marine ecologist and professor at uh, SFU, Simon Fraser University. So it's going to be a, this amazing conversation with these brilliant minds around marine ecology, because I think what people don't realize, you know, when uh, the Nathan E. Stewart spilled, it spilled 110 thousand liters of diesel and they have these huge tides and so of course Kirby was trying to put up these ridiculous booms and trying to control the spill but with tides that are three meters and the amount of water that moves and super quickly it just got flushed through the narrow channels that are all the inlets between all of the many islands that make up the area in the Great Bear Sea and the clams and all of the other uh, invertebrates, plus the fish, uh, abalone, everything in the area were soaked, saturated in diesel because the tide went out and it all sank into the soil. Well, they haven't recovered. You know, it, it's, it's not something that just 
you know, gets flushed through and flushed out and then everything is okay again. That's not what happens. Here's the challenge though. What does happen? Nobody really knows. And so five years later, they're still having to monitor it because this has never been done. Environmental impact assessments of this scope and scale haven't been done ever in Canadian history. And so they're having to build the templates and create the science and then monitor. And it will be for the benefit of everyone in the country because let's face it, we have a rather large coastline. Um, and this kind of information, this kind of science and the data that will come from this will actually help people understand because these spills happen all the time. People don't know, but you know, these and they get covered up or actually reports it, but these spills are causing damage. And so it's really important to understand the marine ecology and what's at stake. And the health sick in their legal action are actually going for something super uh, uh, precedent setting, which is that title to land, actually, you know, when, when nations get title, it's only to the where the water meets the land. They're actually going for title to the foreshore because those clams have been their sustenance over the years. They've, instead of farming wheat, they farm clams. Well, they need to have title to that area. So that's also what they're going for. And this marine ecology will actually help support their litigation as well. So it's really important. Yeah, it's, it's super exciting stuff being aware of our marine, uh, marine life and ecosystem. You know, one of the thing in terms of uh, sustainable land and feeding the whole earth, one of the things is vertical farms out in the oceans and if we're polluting our oceans well that we're just polluting the potential food that we can have and if our oceans and ecosystems are healthy like everything is great as we're seeing in, uh with the um united nations reports on climate change we're we're kind of in a, a kind of a danger <laughs> zone right now and we need to respect our oceans. And it's not just uh, oil spills or like uh, gas spills. It's microplastics, uh, the acidity of the, the oceans. These are all things we need to be aware of. And, and this is a great way to set precedent, uh, precedent and people becoming aware and getting more involved. Yeah, it's true. I was just up in Bella Bella for uh, this uh, festival that we were uh, supporting and around salmon. And uh, one of the issues that the salmon have gone uh, in that area have gone from runs of 70,000 to 700. It's been decimated. So the impact, however, is massive on an ecosystem. If the salmon fail, the grizzlies are now hungry. So the grizzlies are and the bears are starting to forage in community. So four bears in the community had to be shot the week we were there because they're coming into town because they're starving. You know, it, the eagles are affected, the, all of the other life in the, and, you know, to see the trickle down, you, you don't, you know, the prices are one thing, you know, for consumers, but really the massive impact on the entire ecological uh, uh, infrastructure is, is something that's everyone needs to turn their mind to because you're right it's climate change it's forestry practices it's fishing practices it's all of these things that they're all interconnected and uh, as we are all connected and and we are all connected to every every animate and inanimate object on the planet 
these things affect us eventually as well. So it is, it's, it is, uh, it is for all of us. If you, Crystal Lehman uh, of Beaver Lake Cree Nation said once, if you drink water or you breathe air, this is about you. Money isn't going to help you at the end of the day when all our forests are gone and our oceans are just pure sludge. Right. And our lakes are polluted and the animals are poisoned. I mean, it's just, it will eventually. It's just that mindset of, I mean, I understand. Like, I, I started collecting hats. Like, consumerism, it's addicting. It, it is addicting. But, I mean, we got to start focusing more on, like, environmental aspects. And, I mean, it's not... It's not just on the individual, like everyone tries pushing. This is a thing we need to challenge our governments and corporations on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. More awareness around Indigenous peoples. There was National Truth and Reconciliation Day on September 30th. What is your thoughts on this and just Raven's thoughts on a day like this? It's important. And I'm so glad that we have this. I would also say that it's... From our perspective, it's a really important day of reflection because uh, it's great to have the day off. But if if the day isn't used in service of the point of reconciliation, <laughs> then it's a missed opportunity. It's it's actually an affront. And so we sent out an email to people. <laughs> it was kind of amusing because the grammarians of the crowd sort of missed the point because our what we wrote was uh, an email called reconciliation is a verb, which if you read the whole email, you would actually understand it's a bit like love is a verb. It's something that has to be acted. Uh, it's in the doing that it becomes meaningful. And so our idea is that, you know, the concept of reconciliation is wonderful, but if it's only a concept, uh, it's, it's useless. And, and the phrase by many nations don't even like the phrase reconciliation anymore because it's been co-opted by politicians who use it to just continue enacting a colonial agenda. Um, you know, there was this stunning act of colonial violence just three days before uh, the Reconciliation Day, where the Wet'suwet'en ancestral village site uh, was raised by coastal gas link in order to put through the fracked gas pipeline even though the project doesn't have free prior and informed consent of the nation. So there you go, three days prior to something that we're supposed to be all working towards. So, you know, before we can actually speak about reconciliation or healing or right relationship, all the violence against indigenous peoples and their lands has to stop, it just has to. And so I think for us, we were trying to encourage people to take the day to put energy and resources towards real redress, real reparation. You know, so that's that's sort of where we came from on it. Um, you know, um, I think that um, there, and, and it's, it, it, you know, so some people might say, well, how do you do that? It's like, well, seek out some of the minds that are, of it, the, the, there are, are so many passionate, people working towards this. Murray Sinclair, Pam Pometer, Saul Brown, who I mentioned earlier, um, Bruce McIver, uh, a lawyer based in Vancouver, runs First People's Law, you know, has a massive uh, blog that people could go and do all kinds of fantastic reading. Um, you know, there's so many ways 
to start turning your mind to the issues and how you can internalize them, take it off the page and make it real and, and start putting your putting principles into practice. That's, I guess, what we would really encourage people to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, 100%. I know I spent a, a lot of the day watching docu-series on uh, uh, indigenous struggles and, and issues. And the more I learn, the more I want to get involved in uh, us at U Multicultural. We're continuing to try and uh, reach out to people to start new series and share stories. I mean, it can be a challenge sometimes because, you know, there is uh, a distrust of uh, colonizers. So it, it can be really hard to be like, well, we want to be an ally. I understand uh, some of your uh, your hesitations. But yeah, it, it felt a little bit like uh, the government giving itself a gold star, kind of like, oh, look, we, we did a good thing, like a paid day off for uh, government employees. But, you know, maybe it should be a day where government focuses on uh, finding solutions. Here's an idea because it's currently just a federal holiday. Uh, but for uh, businesses, you know, generally every year businesses will allot a certain number of stats that they give to their employees. So maybe it should be a flexible thing so that if, if employees want to take Truth and Reconciliation Day as a, as a stat holiday, maybe they don't take Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that? that's another thing that I felt a little weird this year, visiting family for Thanksgiving. It's like, we're, this is a weird, weird uh, <laughs> genocidal celebration. <laughs> if it's a harvest celebration, that's one thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, you could talk for hours about how horrible, you know, the, the whole colonial thing, Columbus, et cetera, forget it. But <laughs> my point is that that would be one way of turning it into something. Uh, really meaningful. One of uh, a donor that has been a fairly significant donor to a couple of our campaigns emailed and said, look, we're not closing. However, I want to present uh, at lunch, having all the staff come into the lunchroom and we're going to have a presentation and we're going to uh, talk about this and have some resources and, and encourage people to make donations to causes. So they turned it into an active lunch and learn. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to really make it uh, real. Yeah, make it a day of action, not just performative. That's why we said reconciliation is a verb. <laughs> <laughs> All the grammarians out there, we're sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me. It's always fantastic to hear about the amazing things uh, that's going on at Raven. There's some really fun stuff coming down uh, in the future. And just once again, if there's anything else that you'd like to share, uh, now would be a great opportunity. And where can people find out more information about Raven? Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Ryan. I always love our conversations. I'm starting to feel like this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just say that if anybody wants to know more about Raven, our website is uh, one of the best ways. It's uh, updated regularly and it's fairly fresh. So that's Raven Trust. Dot com, which is where everybody gets the idea that that's our name. <laughs> we also have an amazing uh, digital platform. Uh, Carissa Chandrakate, our digital content coordinator, is a rock star. And so on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter, you can find uh, all kinds of information and uh, different kinds of posts there. So I would encourage people to follow us there. 
And yeah, I guess that's it. I, we don't, uh, there's really, uh, I've already told you about the webinar that's coming up on the 26th. Um, if people, that will be uh, on our website if people wanna know how to sign up for that. I think uh, they should go to the website. Um, yeah, so that's gonna be called Stewarding Our Marine Relations on Tuesday, October 26th at 10 o'clock Pacific. And other than that, we have um, just that home on native land coming. So stay tuned. Pretty soon awesome. that'll be up. Yeah, so it's just great. I really loved this conversation. And I hope if anybody ever has any questions for us about the campaigns, they would just get in touch. Give us a call at the office or send us an email at info at raventrust.com. We really encourage conversation and dialogue. Want to stay informed and find out more about Raven's current campaigns and projects? visit raventrust.com. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one.